The Finding at the Temple, St. Joseph, written and read by Paul Fox. Twelve years, twelve years the boy has been a son to me, so good a son as any man has had, so good that almost I forget that he is not my blood and bone. Trouble there has been because of him. First the whispered scandal, then the headlong flight into a foreign land, the years in exile till the tyrant who sought his blood had perished. The boy himself, though, he was not troublesome. Of course, when cold or hungry he would cry, as babies do, or if he fell and scraped his knee, or if a playmate taunted him, then he would weep and fly to us for comfort. These things all children do. But never did he fly into a tantrum over some small thing denied, or lie about a sweetmeat he had taken, or fail to help his mother or myself, or answer us with disrespect, or worse. Such things I've seen all other children do, but never him. Some thought him simple-minded, so utterly straightforward and so peaceful as he was. But others saw, as I did, that his tranquil surface hid a fearsome depth. How quickly he grasped things well beyond his years or even mine. How perfectly he did each task he set his hand to. The little children loved him, and the dumb beasts trusted themselves to him. Twelve years, the perfect son, now this. The long-awaited trip up to Jerusalem in caravan with relatives and friends. And often, on the way, he'd be with other children, or visiting his aunts and uncles, or lending a hand to some old granny. And so, when Passover was over and we made our way with kinsmen and with neighbor, we were not troubled that we did not see our boy. Surely he was with that group of children up ahead, or helping a lagging mother with her brood of little ones, or ministering to some poor donkey that's gone lame. Then night began to fall, and camp was made, and soon, we thought, our boy will join us, and moment followed moment as we waited till we could wait no more. From tent to tent, from fireside to fireside we went, asking if they'd seen our boy, and disappointed moving on. Until the last tent had been visited, the last mule driver had been asked, we never doubted that we'd find him. And by the time we'd made the rounds in vain, the sun had set. The world was dark. Our hearts were darker. How long that night was as we sat there pinned in place by darkness. That he had chosen to be absent, had parted from us of his own accord, without a word to warn us, this never entered into either of our minds. Only the most fearsome possibilities filled our thoughts, that he was dead, or lying injured somewhere on the road, or had been taken captive to be sold a slave, or had fallen into some abandoned well. 
the earliest pre-dawn light saw us on the road back to Jerusalem, Mary and I, with our little donkey, driven forward by the urge to get there quickly, held back by the fear of missing some small sign, some word of him. Then, in the city, retracing our every step, entering every inn, visiting every market, stopping at every home of distant relative or friend in hope of finding him. Then, up at last, onto the vast and crowded temple mount, surging with worshippers and with hawkers, crying their wares, selling their doves and their lambs. And where is our dove? Where is our lamb? And then, passing by a portico, Mary halts abruptly, cocks her head. His voice! She's sure she's heard his voice. And in a moment, yes, I hear it too. We turn to enter, find a crowd of learned men. And there, there in their midst he sits, unharmed, untroubled, calmly debating points of law like a seasoned scholar, while men my age and older, wearing garb that marks them out as students of the law, hang on his every word and nod, and ask him questions and nod again at his reply. The fear and anguish that had been my life that endless night and all that day now turned to fury. How could our perfect boy have done this thing to us? How could he have done this to his mother? But Mary, sensing my rage, touched me on the arm. Let me speak to him, she says, and at her touch the anger dissipates, and in its place is only sad confusion. We step forward now, enduring glares from the assembly. We, dusty peasants from the north, what had we to do here in this learned crowd? Our son then saw her as we drew near, and Mary said to him, My son, why have you treated us this way? All night long we feared for you. All day we have been seeking you, fearing that some evil had befallen you. He looked at us and simply said, Why were you looking for me? That look, his face, as yet unbearded, is his mother's face, down to the last eyelash. That look of innocent, unguarded puzzlement and hurt, that very look was on his mother's face some thirteen years ago, when Mary came to me to say, Dear Joseph, I am with child by the Holy Spirit, and saw the disbelief writ plainly on my face. And then he spoke again and said, Did you not know that I must be within my father's house? My father's house. Those words, so calmly spoken, broke my heart. Twelve years, twelve years, the boy has been a son to me. Twelve years, now this, my father's house. My head bows. I cannot look at him. 
I make a move to turn and mutely go. But suddenly he's there before me, kneeling at my feet, his upturned face, moments before, so otherworldly, so immovable, is bathed in tears now, mirroring my own. Abba, he says, Abba Joseph, let's go home. Used by We Are One Body Audio Theater, with the permission of the licensor, granted under a copyrighted license agreement. A production of We Are One Body Audio Theater.